What is up, New Life Church? How you doing today? Good. Hey, we are so glad that you're here, whether you're worshiping with us right here at our Kearney campus or you are at our North Platte campus. We are so glad that you showed up today. We are in week number four of our current teaching series called Misquoted. And I, I just want to ask you if you have ever been misquoted. Raise your hand if you've ever been misquoted. Right? You've ever been misquoted. All right. Well, I've been a parent uh, for quite a while. I had my first daughter just went off to college. And I just got to tell you as a parent, parents, can you identify with me that your kids misquote you time and time again? Right? I will get a call from my wife and she'll say something like, it'll go something like this. Chris, the kids said that you, we can go to Sonic for half price shakes. And I'll say, I, did, I didn't say that. What I said was, I'll think about it, right? <laughs> Misquoted. I should know by now that I'll think about it. It's as good as a promise to the kids, right? It's lazy parenting to say, I'll think about it, which what I really mean is, I'll tell you no later, right? I just don't want to tell you no right now. So my kids misquote me. Uh, a lot. You know, one of the reasons that we misquote, you know, Christianity or scripture or what it means to follow Jesus is because of our perspective and, and how we see things. So let's do a little experiment. I want you to look at this picture. And what do you see? What do you see? Come on, at all of our locations, just say it out loud. What do you see? All right. So, how many see a rabbit? Raise your hand. How many see a duck? Come on, I see, I see a duck. <laughs> but now you probably see both of them, but think about what you saw first. Uh, here's another picture that my friend Grant took, and I love this picture. This is a sign at Qdoba. All right, so what does that say? Does that, how many, raise your hand if that says, we love buses. Come on, it's Qdoba, we love buses. Raise your hand if, if that says, we love boozies. Come on. <laughs> uh, we have one of our staff members, Dean and Jen Boozy, pastors on staff, and they just are, thank God, God protected them. Uh, they, they went through a tremendous ordeal, and Jen is recovering, and so I think Grant photoshopped that picture just a little bit, because I do think that says praying for buses, but he saw it praying for boozies. <laughs> I love that. So what is your perspective on what it means to follow Jesus when it comes to how you see a person, for example, who's addicted, somebody who's addicted to a substance or somebody who's dealing with abandonment or abuse? What is your perspective on those that we would say are the marginalized of our society? How are you moved or unmoved when you think about the fact that millions and millions of people today are enslaved in human trafficking? It's over a $150 billion industry per year. I mean, how are you moved? What is your perspective on that? Let me show you one more picture. And if you were to see this, which I've seen quite often in my life, in real life, I want you to, to think, pause and think, what emotions and what thoughts does that stir within you? When you see somebody who's poor, 
How do you respond? And so if you're a Christ follower, maybe you've read the proverb that says, God helps those who help themselves. Don't raise your hand, but just internally raise your hand if you remember that proverb. God helps those who help them themselves. Now, if you were to get out your phone right now and open up version, your Bible app and search for that, you would never find that in the Proverbs or in the New Testament, the words of Jesus. You know, some of my earliest memories as a, as a child, my dad was a pastor, and most of my upbringing was in Kansas City. We lived in North Kansas City, so outside of the, the urban, cent- urban center, but close enough that that there was a lot of need in our community, and my dad pastored this church, and time after time, almost weekly, if not sometimes daily, people would come by who were in need, and so many times I would see, witness my father fill their tank with gas. And this was not from the church's budget, this was out of our family's budget. Or give them a meal, or give them a ride somewhere, and meet a physical need for somebody who is in need. And, And if I'm honest, I'm moved by that. My dad is still that way to this day. And as a child, I was moved by that, but also conflicted at the same time. Because see, as you grow to become a follower of Christ, you understand. And if you're a Christ follower, you'd probably agree with me that the, the most important thing that people need in life is a relationship with Jesus. The greatest need of a person is to find peace with God, right? What they need is salvation that is at the center of the gospel, that they would find relationship with Jesus. It's at the very center of the mission of the church. In fact, we read scriptures like this, Romans 10 says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Just a few verses later in the Bible, it tells us that faith comes by hearing and so it's very easy for us as Christ followers to say the most important thing that we are doing is telling others about Jesus and really what we really should be doing sometimes we can go to one ditch and say the only thing that we should be doing is telling people about Jesus and if they find Jesus then Jesus will change their circumstance relieve their suffering help them get out of the situation help them find a job and on and on and on. And, and then you have circumstances like this, like I had in my life years ago as a, as a young pastor. I remember walking outside of the church. It was in South Tucson. And we often had homeless people that would, we in fact, had this one homeless guy who would, he would sleep right under our office entrance. And every day I would pull up around 8 o'clock and he would hear me come up and he would get up and he would wave at me as he left. And so we, we had quite a few people who were homeless in that situation there. And one day I, I came to the church and there was a guy that was just laying out right in front of the church and obviously had a rough time. So I went to the church and we had, we had these packs of socks that we used for, I think it was like some youth pastor game, right? Like sock dodgeball or something like that. I had all these socks and I brought him some socks and I brought him some food and man, I felt just very moved with compassion and helped him. And he received what I gave him. And then when I wouldn't give him any money, he began to cuss me out, right? And, and I remember feeling that sting of feeling like I just got burned when I tried to help somebody. And so you, you have that type of experience. And, and as a follower of Christ, you could go to the other ditch and say, 
you know, all I'm going to focus on is meeting the spiritual needs of people because they're not appreciative anyway. Or we can take the complete opposite view and have this motivation because we're moved and we see a picture, especially when we talk about children, we can be so moved with human sympathy or perhaps even guilt. So we dig a well, we build a house, we send a check. And those are all good things, and I believe that God uses those things. But if we only are doing those things, if we're only kind of philosophically earning the right to be heard but never present the spiritual answer to their need, then we might also be misquoting what it means to follow Jesus. And so as we kind of unpack this whole subject today of what it means to quote Scripture and quote Jesus correctly as it relates to social justice and the things that are going on in our community. Let me just say this as a, as a pastor, but really not as a pastor, just as, as a friend, as a, as a man, that I have not arrived when it comes to this. I, I have not arrived to where God wants me to be, but I do deeply care about allowing God to change my heart so that my heart becomes more of a reflection of his heart. And I hope that if you would posture yourself with that type of attitude and say, God, I'm going to lay aside my assumptions about this issue and really help me to see your heart because I want my heart to become your heart. And I love that we have a pastor, that I have a pastor who has a heart for reaching people, especially those that don't know Jesus and has a heart for those that are suffering and hurting. So would you help me welcome my pastor, your pastor, uh, Pastor Jeff Baker, to the platform today. Thanks, man. Well, this, uh, the tag team preaching has been a blast. It's been a blast. And some people are like, are you going to keep doing that? Like, and I'm like, well, maybe we will. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Let's just jump into the solution here. So you, you, you've got, you got the tension of the problem, right? The, the tension is that um, you know, we've, got, we've got a world full of need, and we're part of the solution. In fact, I would even say this, that every person that's in need is part of the solution. Um, you, you know how, how life is, right? Where you're going through a difficult season in life, you're going through a difficult time, and then all of a sudden you hear about someone that's going through something that's even more difficult. You're going through a challenging time, and then you hear about somebody else that's going through something that's even more challenging. And then all of a sudden the perspective of your life changes. I just want to tell you this. Everybody in North Platte, everybody that's from Ogallala that's worshiping with us right now, everybody from our Carney campus, God has you on this earth to be a part of his solution in meeting the needs of the poor and the hungry and the destitute and the, and the human trafficked and you know, those who are, who are you know, living under oppression. God has put you in this place right now to hear a message, to stir your heart so that you might be part of the solution and not just continue to perpetuate the problem by turning a blind eye by turning our heart away and just looking the other direction. So how does Jesus want us to respond to the poor, the hungry, the destitute, the, the needy? How does he want us to do that? Let me just give you a few thoughts on that. First, Jesus wants us to lose our personal bias towards those in need. I love the fact that when Chris threw that picture up there, you know, about the homeless man and, you know, just, you know, just give me a little help or, you know, whatever the sign is, you've seen them, right? I've seen them all over the world. 
Uh, we have this personal bias that starts to stir in us, this idea of um, judgment at times. Uh, there's times when person's standing on the street corner and you pull up and your personal bias won't even allow you to look them in the eye. You won't even look them in the eye. You don't even want to make eye contact because you, you don't want to give them the dollar. And I get it. I don't think we're supposed to give the dollar every time. But sometimes kindness is just a look in the eye and a recognition that that person is a human being created by God. You aren't going to change their life with one dollar anyways. But you might change their, their day by just the generosity of lowering your personal bias and looking somebody in the eye and just recognizing them as a human being. I love the fact that Jesus... He didn't care what a person had. He didn't care if a person was rich or a person was poor. He didn't even care if a person had leprosy. He just reached out and touched them. He looked them in the eye, ministered to them as if they mattered. He had maybe a moment with a person, but he made that moment matter. The only way we do that is when we lower our personal bias. So take, take a look at what Jesus did, right? Jesus, he, 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 this is what he did. He lived as if, you know, he was just like one of us. Jesus didn't live like he was better than us. I love the verse that says that Jesus was a friend of sinners. He wasn't some highfalutin saint that was walking around that didn't have time for commoners like us. Well, Jesus, he, he looked beyond that. And Jesus, who did he pick to, have his, to be his closest? He, he picked a lot of fishermen. He didn't pick the rich. He didn't pick the powerful. Right? He, he went to the people that you know, just had the hearts, and he, he saw something in them that maybe they never saw in themselves. And so he invested into them, and he let his personal bias down, and he, he, he didn't care what the other you know, religious leaders were saying about the way he was leading his life. He knew he was on mission from the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, his Father. And church, to show true compassion and, and to, have, to have this opportunity you know, to meet the needs of others, you have to fight against this syndrome of us and them. It's so easy so easy to get wrapped up in this world of it's us and then it's them. It's the people that are different than us. And if you live life with that kind of a bias, you're never going to be put in the right place to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, to be God's hands and his feet at a certain moment. Because your personal bias will always trump the voice of God. Because the voice of God, the Bible tells us, is like a whisper. But your personal bias is your soul. And it's like a loudspeaker turned on maximum, driving its sound into our lives. So look, the people I'm speaking to have roofs over their heads, cars to drive, stomachs that are full. And God's done that because he wants us to be a part of the solution, to meet the needs of those around us. To show kindness, to show compassion, to show generosity. Not expecting to get anything in return. See, I think one of the personal bias when it comes to meeting the needs of the needy and the poor is that, you know, I do this and then therefore now you will go and do something different with your life. Like I'm going to fix your life with my $5 I give you on the street corner. Guys, look, you can stop giving five bucks, you can pray for them. 
your obligation ends there unless the Holy Spirit has told you to go and do more. But our personal bias goes, well, my one dollar is not going to make a difference anyway, so why should I do it? That's not the point. You're missing the point. You're missing what kindness and compassion is. We want to invest and we want to see a return. Good. That's awesome for your retirement account. I hope it happens. It doesn't always happen when it comes to showing compassion and kindness and generosity. You can't put that caveat of your personal bias of, I gotta, I gotta get something back for this. You just, we just give. We just give. And we give out of humility. Don't give out of guilt. Don't give out of pity. Man, if you've ever received anything from someone else out of guilt and pity, you will know firsthand it's got a bad taste in its mouth. It puts a bad taste in your mouth. It's not, it's not fun. It's not good. It's the same thing when we're meeting the needs of the poor and the needy. That's the way you saw Jesus live. He didn't live with those kind of biases that we wrestle with. Secondly, though, Jesus wants us to remember that meeting the needs of others is a team effort. You're not just doing it alone. You don't change lives on your own. I don't change lives on my own. Unless the Holy Spirit directs my path and directs me to a moment to show kindness and compassion and generosity, then look, no lives are being changed. My life's not being changed. Their life's not being changed. Unless the Holy Spirit directs us, this impact that God wants to do in your heart and that he wants to do in the hearts of others, it just lies mute. It goes nowhere. So who, who is God really trying to bless when when you meet the needs of the poor and the hungry, who's God really trying to bless when you meet the needs of the poor and the hungry? I think obviously he's taking care of the needs of the poor and the hungry. That's the obvious. The one that we miss often is the fact that he's really focused on the obedience of your heart. In fact, he's equally as focused on the obedience of your heart as he is meeting the need of the person that has the need. He's equally as focused on that. God looks at the heart, guys. That's where he's looking. I mean, I want you to take a, take a listen to this. One day, we will all stand before God in a time of judgment before God. Jesus was talking about it in Matthew chapter 25 when he gave us a great picture of God's heart when it comes to you and me starting to meet needs in the in the lives of others so look with me in verse 34 it says then the king will say to those on his right so this moment of judgment okay come you who are blessed by my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world what is this heaven that's what he's talking about for I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will say this. They'll reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry? and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing when did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you 
And then the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you're doing it to me. Here's the good news. The good news is this. God, God sees every single one of your acts of kindness, compassion, and generosity. When you're following the leadership of the Holy Spirit to meet the needs of others, he sees it. But here's the fact that's in this passage of Scripture. Notice this, okay? Please, pay, pay close attention to this. The fact in this Scripture is this, that the Scripture is primarily talking about what God sees in you. Not what he saw in the person that had a need. That Scripture, at this moment of judgment as we stand before God, was talking about what God sees in you. In fact, listen to this, it never even speaks about your act of kindness, compassion, and generosity, and the transformation that happened in the heart of the person. It doesn't even tell us what the spiritual outcome of that act was. I guarantee you God cares about every person that walks on this earth, and he cares about one thing more than anything else, and that's the eternity he wants to spend with them. And this scripture at the time of judgment doesn't even say, hey, look, this is what I love about you. You followed my leadership. You gave clothing to those who were naked. Good job. Awesome way to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, I just want to let you know, because you did that, here's the spiritual transformation that took place. It doesn't even give it to us. It's just focused on one side Will you love those who are in incredible need? Are you going to make it about yourself? Are you going to make it about him? See, guys, look, here's what we need to do. Man, we need to ask God to remove our personal bias so that we can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit more clearly. Then we can start playing on his team and we can start hearing the, the voice of the, of the Spirit leading us to this need and to that need and to that person. And as we drive our car, the next time you're in Omaha and that person's standing on the street corner, instead of not looking them in the eye, you're going to start doing this. God, do you have me here at this moment to meet a need for them? Because that's what God cares about. When you're walking down the street and you see some homeless person, instead of crossing to the other side of the street or instead of walking by and start interacting or doing something with your phone so you don't have to pay attention to them, you're going to start saying this, God, let my personal bias decrease so that the voice of the Holy Spirit can increase. Do you have me here to meet a need? When our church promotes something about meeting a need around the world it could just be simply like bringing clean water to people because you know the number one thing that people die from on planet earth is waterborne diseases so if we're bringing clean water to people and you're sitting out there and you're like this and you're like well i'm not going to give to that man those guys aren't even talking about going and preaching the they need to have a tent revival put up clean water let your personal bias get in the way of what the Holy Spirit's wanting to do because you might be the very resource God wants to use to meet a need. And one day we stand before him and he goes, you gave water to the thirsty. You gave it to me. Let your personal bias decrease. Start realizing we play on a much bigger team. It's team God. And I got some good news. Every Saturday... He wins. <laughs> Not just some. 
But thirdly, and maybe the most difficult, right? Because you're like, man, this has already been a little like step on my toes. This might be really difficult for some of you, but Jesus wants us to identify with the poor. Now you're wondering, like, what does that actually mean? He wants us to identify with the poor. He wants you to identify with those who are in need. We get wrapped up in the word poor. We get wrapped up in the word poor too often. We make it all about money. Okay, it's bigger than money. It's people that are in need. Jesus wants us to identify with those who are in need. Listen to the story that Jesus told one day about the Good Samaritan. It's found in Luke chapter 10. Many of you know this story. But this Jewish man, he was on his way from Jerusalem to Jericho, and on the way, bandits beat him up, take all of his stuff, they leave him for dead. The Bible says he's basically almost dead. Then a priest, right, Jeff Baker, comes walking by, and you're like hopefully proud that, you know, I'm one of your pastors, and I came walking by, and I see that guy, and none of you are there. And so what I do is I go, ah, no one's really watching, man. I don't really, I got stuff to do. I got, a, I, got, I got a meeting at Starbucks, man. I got to go. I have time to help this dude. Someone else will help him, guarantee you. Some other good new lifer will come by. They'll help him. So I go on the other side. I get my phone out. You know, I just do something to occupy my time so I can walk by him and, you know, get, get through my own emotions. Because I know what's right to do, but I don't want to take the time to do it. And then, and then, I, I, I'm going to use, uh, i got to use another person. Um, uh, it was like a, it was like a church worker, okay? So this is a kind of a person that kind of helped out in the church doing different things, but they weren't a pastor. So I'm going to call it like a worship leader, okay? Like a worship leader. And a worship leader comes by, and they kind of like, they see him, so they, they go over to him, and they're like, ah, oh, man, I don't know anything about mending your wounds, and dude, you don't have any clothes on, and that's weird, and I don't have my guitar, I can't sing you a song right now. <laughs> There's nothing I can do, and they just move on. Then a complete stranger who barely even speaks their language, who is an actual enemy of theirs, comes by with his donkey, gets off of his donkey, ministers to this person who is someone who in public you would never want to be seen associating with because of the cultural you know, tension that was going on, ministers to his needs, bandages his wounds, puts him on his own donkey, takes him to the next town, checks him into the hotel, and then says this to the hotel owner, here's the money to cover it, I don't even know if it's going to be enough. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know how much food he eats. I don't know anything about this guy, by the way. But whatever his bill is, the next time I come through, it's on me. Identifying with the needs of others. Jesus wants us to get our hands dirty by getting close to those who are in need. That's what the Samaritan did. He got his hands dirty. His physical hands got dirty. Blood got on other parts of his clothing, and as he reached down to embrace the man and pick him up and then hoist him onto his donkey, blood got all over him. He, he took on the stench. He took on the identity of the man who was beaten. 
That's what Jesus is wanting us to do. When was the last time you got your hands dirty meeting the needs of somebody? Many of you did it when the floods came through. Your hands got dirty when you were standing in a basement cleaning it out. And I love you for it. You've gotten your hands dirty in many different ways. So don't throw yourself under the bus so quickly, but as we move forward, where else does God want us to get our hands dirty, bandaging the wounds of the needy? Jesus also wants us to stick our neck out. Kind of know that phrase? Kind of take a risk for the needy. This is where I struggle the most. If I can be brutally honest with you, I struggle right here in this thing I'm getting ready to tell you. I struggle with it the most. When I lived downtown Omaha amongst the most needy and the poor of our state, and it literally was the most needy and poor of our state, there were alliances with friendships that were, bought, that were brought together, and there were moments when my heart got calloused and it got cold because need just never stopped coming. And it was just coming at me. And to take a risk, I felt like, man, I got burnt enough taking risks. When do I get a chance to stop taking the risk? When is it someone else's turn? Who's the next pastor that's willing to move into this slime pit of a place of our country and live amongst the needy? You kind of get calloused a little bit after meeting need, after need, after need, after need, after need, taking, taking advantage of over and over and over again. I remember one time, a guy, he said, look, I need 79 cents for burrito. He felt like I was some like, business guy walking through the town, like I didn't even know what was going on. I told him, I go, look, I know what 79 cents gets you right over there at that convenience store, gets you a can of beer. I live here, I live right around the corner. His eyes were like, <laughs> And I'm not walking over, we're not giving you 79 cents, you can go get the beer. I said, but man, if you're hungry, I'll feed you. He goes, I don't want to get one of those uh, gas station burritos. And I said to him, I go, I don't want a gas station burrito either. I was thinking about going to Burger King. He's like, there's no Burger King close by. I go, I know, I'm going to have to drive my car all the way to Burger King. It's miles away. He said, you want something? He goes, oh, man. They still, they still make a Whopper? I'm like, yeah, they make Whoppers. What kind of Whopper do you want? What do you want on it? I took his whole order. <clears throat> he didn't just stop with a Whopper, by the way. I took his whole order, guys. I said to him, look, man, I've seen you on these streets before, right? So just hang out in this general area. I'll go to Burger King. I'll get you your Whopper. I'll get you your fries. Yeah, I'll get you the shake, too. Right? I get all of it. I come back. He's not even there. He's not even there. See, it's moments like that where you get calloused and you get burnt and you're like, I'm just trying to give you my best, man. I'm not trying to play a joke with you. I'm just trying to love you. Jesus said, stick your neck out. Take a risk on people at times. Go above and beyond. I'll take care of that person's need. Right? I wrote a check last month for Kingdom Builders. I got to write a check again this month? Like, there was just an earthquake over here I gave thousands of dollars to, and now there's this tsunami that happened over here, and you got, God, you want me to give more? Seriously? Yeah, that's what he wants us to do. Because he said, look, the Samaritan did what God wants all of us to do. 
what he wants all righteous people to do. Let's take a look at what he wants all righteous people to do. He says, the righteous considers the cause of the poor, but the wicked does not understand what? Uh, you just need to leave this up here because you need to soak this one in for a minute. You may have never read this. The righteous, the new lifer, considers the cause of the poor, but the wicked does not understand. There's a knowledge. There is a knowledge that comes from God for the righteous who consider... By the way, it, it doesn't give you an option. You can't be righteous and not consider the cause of the poor. It says the righteous, this is what a righteous person does. This is what a Christ-centered person does. Is they consider they got care for. Right? They care for the need. That's what it means. They have compassion for them. You can't care and have compassion by just thinking about it. You have to take action. This is what righteous people do. Righteous people take action for the cause, for the plight, for the strife, for the worry, for the suffering. righteous people do it's not what the wicked do it's not what this the church goer does the church attender does it's what the righteous do there's no option church there's no option today you don't get to just pick which side of the fence you want to be on you go you don't get to this you don't get it just build a well and you don't just get to preach the gospel. It's not one or the other, it's both and. You don't just get to pick when you're going to be compassionate. You have to be more like Christ and just be in tune with the Holy Spirit when we see need in front of us and be asking God, do you have me here for this moment? In new life, we make it so easy the righteous to care about the cause of the poor and to experience this knowledge that comes from God through kingdom builders it's one one way we got a team right now in Cuba meeting the needs of others so proud of them we had teams out in Ogallala this past weekend serving I'm so proud of them we got people giving of a generous church that's giving we've we've made it so easy for the righteous to care for the cause of the poor. I want you to join us. I want you to be a part of it. Because one day we stand before Jesus and he's going to say to us, well done. Well done when you put mouth in the food. You put food, excuse me, in the mouth of the hungry. You were doing it to me. When you built the house for the person who got it wrecked on the Bahamas, you were doing it for me. When it didn't even make sense to you. But when you brought socks to the homeless and they rejected it, you were doing it to me. I want to ask you today to lay down your bias with me. I want to ask you to ask God, how can I play a better part on your team and listen to your spirit? And I want you to ask, I want you to ask God, God, how can I identify with the needs 
with the poor and the needy? How can I identify with them better? God, how can I be a righteous person who cares about the cause of the poor? How can I be that guy, that woman, in a better way? How can I do it? Let me pray for you. Why don't you stand with me? Jesus, this is a humbling moment as I stand before an incredible church of people, an amazing group of people that have generous hearts, and that throughout the generations, this church has been generous in so many ways, but God, it's not about right now corporately so much what we're doing as it is personally. I pray I pray for this congregation of people that, Lord, you will destroy our personal bias that keep us from being the hands and the feet of Jesus like you called us to be. I pray right now that we would identify with the poor and the needy like we never have before. I, I just pray that, God. I pray it. And I ask you in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would saturate the hearts of those who are the hearers of this word today. And it would shake each of us, myself, it would shake us to the core and cause us to live differently these next few days, this next week, this next month, to change our trajectory for a lifetime. And when we see need, we will first ask, God, how do you want to use me? First, we will go to, God, you are the solution and I'm standing as a righteous person in front of a problem. What can I do? Lord, help us to live our lives that way in obedience to you. Like the good Samaritan, get our hands dirty in meeting the needs of others. We love you, Jesus. And we thank you that you got your life dirty in meeting my spiritual needs when you died on the cross so that I could confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and surrender my heart to him and have eternal life. In Jesus' name. Amen.